Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. And truly happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. Amen. And uh, appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, while there's a lot of things on the schedule coming up, especially if you're a young person, my goodness, a lot of things happening. So make sure that uh, you get your calendar out and mark some of those dates. Amen. All right. How many of you have big plans for Father's Day this afternoon? Going to eat good food and kind of chill out a little bit? Maybe get a gift or two. All right, amen. Going to call your attention this morning to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter number 24, and we're going to read verses 13 through 15. And if they could get those track lights turned down just a little bit, please. All right, that's not the scripture, but that's still good words to sing, isn't it? <laughs> Joshua 24, 13 through 15. Amen. All right, here we go. And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them, vineyards and olive yards which you plant which you planted, not do you eat. 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning on this thought, speaker of the house. Amen. The Speaker of the House. Fathers, the day is upon us that you and I, all of, our, all of us, but we're, we're calling on the fathers today. It's time for us to stand tall. Amen. And I know some of us ain't very tall, but, you know, we got to stand tall anyway. Praise God. Would you lift your hearts to the Lord one more time, most heavenly Father? We are so very thankful to be here. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for all the fathers especially, but for every soul that is here this morning. Amen. Because we know, Lord, that you are the one that brings us all together. We pray that you would touch each of our hearts. Minister to us, Lord, we pray. And we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right, you may be seated. And I am wearing my father's one of my Father's Day gifts, all right? I couldn't help it. Amen. You never know. You might be uh, good enough that you might get one. You never know. All right, Speaker of the House. When we think of the Speaker of the House... Our minds probably go to the leader of the House of Representatives who that person holds a gavel in their hand and uh, they are the elected leader of the majority party who I think we found out uh, not too long ago that kind of a, a uh, troubling situation. They are third in line for president. Now, if you go back uh, uh, about eight months, you'll realize how problematic that could be. Are you with me? Do you remember who held the gavel? And 
They are the third in line. But from its early existence, the speaker's primary function has been to keep order and enforce the rules of Congress. Okay, keep that in mind. When you see the speaker front and center and you hear that gavel come down two times, the meeting is being called to order. Our reading this morning covers the time period of Israel's history where the promised land is now being distributed to the 12 tribes of Israel. Joshua is reminding this nation of people how God heard their cries when they were in Egypt's bondage for 400 years. The Bible says they cried out to God. Finally, you would think probably after, I don't know, how many times have you prayed a prayer and, and a couple of weeks later you think God doesn't hear you. These people cried out for 400 years. Amen. And uh, he, he reminded them. And he also reminded them how this merciful God had brought them out of Egypt and had delivered them out of the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and led them finally after 40 years into the promised land. Now he's challenging them to live for the God that delivered them. But he warned them of new challenges they would face in this new land in the future. Now that they were safe in the promised land, he warned them of the danger of reverting back to the gods of their fathers while they were in Egypt. And also, he warned them about how easy it might be for them to be assimilated into the culture and the lifestyles of their new neighbors. We know the gods of Egypt were many, and with the ten plagues, God took care of all of them. Amen. And the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, Joshua said, the Amorites were people known for, get this, their acts of adultery, child sacrifice, homosexuality, prostitution, idolatry, and witchcraft. Joshua, first of all, reminds them and all of us that we have the freedom to choose. You only have to go back to the very creation and find out that is the power that God gave us that separates us from all other, all other living forms. We have the power to choose with a knowledge of good and evil. We know the difference. And that is, a, that is very powerful. Then Joshua makes one of the most powerful statements that a man or father can make. He says, choose this day. The, the 12 tribes are now going to be dispersed into their inheritance. They are no longer necessarily going to be in one campsite. They are going to go their separate ways. They are going to inherit the land that has been promised to them. And Joshua makes a statement. He says, choose this day who you will serve. You need to be careful because it is easy. It will become easy for you if you're not careful to be in a situation where your neighbor might influence you because you see them, maybe you're not close enough to all the people that you have hung around with for 40 years. Now you're kind of on your own and you're living in a nation that is, they have no knowledge of your God and they are going to try to get you to persuade you that you can be okay if you just let down a little bit. Joshua said, as for me 
and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is expressing his position as their leader. You might say the gavel comes down. Their meeting is in session. He, in a sense, is by God's own choosing, he is the speaker, you might say, of the house. And he is the speaker of his own house as a family. And more importantly, he is speaking of his individual house as a person. Because ultimately, that, that's what it comes down to. You can only choose yourself. But let's back up for a minute and see how Joshua got here. Joshua's predecessor was Moses. Listen to the words that God spoke to Moses. Exodus 25 and 8. He said, Moses, let my people, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Listen carefully. Verse 22, he says, and there I will meet with you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim. And he says, I will speak intimately with you regarding every commandment that I will give you for the children of Israel. Exodus 33 and 7 says, And Moses took the tabernacle after they had made it. Remember, God said, Moses, you need to make a meeting place. You need to make a place there I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to speak to you as an individual. And then you need to take what I have spoken you to you to the people to give them understanding of how I want them to live. Can you say amen? amen. He said, and Moses took the tabernacle or the tent. He pitched it outside the camp and called it the meeting place. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord, or as one translation says, who wanted to make a request of the Lord, or as we would say, who needed to pray. In other words, God said, Moses, this is a place where not only I'm going to deliver my word, but it's going to be a place where anybody that is in need, they can come to this place and they can present to me their request. In fact, Isaiah 56 and 7, in a prophetic utterance, some Hundreds of years later and even before Jesus would come on the scene, Isaiah says, I am going to have a house and it will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And so you would go to the tent of meeting or the meeting place when you had a need you could go to the place where God would meet with Moses and speak to him intimately and you would be able to go there and you also could present your case before God. Isaiah said, I'm going to have a house and it will be called a place of prayer or a place where people from all nations, no matter where they come from, I will have a house in place where they can come and they can require of me or they can request of me of a need and I will be there for them. That's always been. It's always been the grand design by God for his people, no matter who you are, 
no matter what color you are, no matter what language you speak, he has always had the ultimate plan that his house would be a place where you could come before him and you could say, God, I am in desperate need, Lord. And whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people, get this, all of the people would get up and stand in the entrance of their own tents. They would watch until Moses entered into this meeting place. And the Bible says, and it came to pass, as Moses entered into that place, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle while the Lord spoke to Moses. And when the people saw that, when the people saw that pillar of cloud of the presence, the Shekinah glory of God, when they would see that stand at the door of this meeting place, all the people would come to their front door and they would bow down and they would begin to worship God because they knew that there was a conversation going on inside that place that God had asked them to build for him. God has always wanted you and I to have access into his presence, folks. It's not just a thing where we attend a church once in a while. It's so that you can have a relationship with God. When they saw that pillar of cloud stand at the door and Moses would enter in. They knew that something powerful was going on inside that place, and they would come to their front doors, and they would bow down, and they would begin to worship God. And it says, inside that meeting place, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Did I read that correctly? You understand is that God literally was speaking to Moses. Whoa. And the people knew it. When that cloud came down, they knew the speaker of the house was in. Afterward, Moses would return to camp. We're getting to the place where Joshua stands. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but it says, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Think on that one for just a moment. What went on inside that place? We understand from the scripture God appointed Joshua to be leader of Israel after the death of Moses. So here he stands. Choose this day, he says, who you will serve. You see, Joshua had been inside the Shekinah glory of that meeting, of, of, the, of, of that tent of meeting. He had witnessed it. He said, you may go the, the way of the other gods. He says, but I will serve God that I know to be true and faithful. Joshua had been behind that curtain, if you will. So here he stands. The gods of the Amorites, the gods of the Egyptians, who give themselves to the temporary pleasures of sin. He says, but for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. This would be the last public words of Joshua 
This would be the last great assembly of the people before they scatter every man to his inheritance. They were now transitioning from their nomad stage to that of becoming settlers. Notice what he tells them in verse 19. He says, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a jealous God. Whoa. But here's the explanation of that. You will not be able to serve the Lord if you serve any other gods. For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God demanding what is rightfully and uniquely his. He will not forgive your rebellion of his law if you abandon him by serving other gods. In other words, Joshua says that you will not be able to serve him with half of your heart. He requires the very best sacrifice that you can give him. He requires a, an entire life, a whole heart, your complete being. The Bible says the people responded by taking an oath and renewing their covenant. And they said, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, then put away your strange gods. See, Israel had a bad habit. They always would profess Jehovah as their national God, but would also go along with the partial worship of other nations' perceived national deities. Did you get that? They would always profess that they were a Christian nation, but they would cuddle. They would bring in just a little bit of the perceived national deities that had been brought in. I'm glad America's not like that. How about you? Now, the Ark of the Covenant was the most sacred of all temple furnishings. That is the place God called the meeting place, making the tabernacle and later the temple the centerpiece of worship for the entire nation. From what I can gather, that first tabernacle with that meeting place, the Ark, that first tabernacle stood for 440 years before being replaced by Solomon's temple which stood for 410 years before being destroyed by the Babylonians. After 70 years, they rebuilt the second temple, which took about 20 years. Later, Herod the Great would spend about 46 years remodeling the second temple. This is the one that existed in Jesus' day. Herod's temple stood for about 586 years before being completely destroyed by the Roman army in 70 A.D. This means Israel had a meeting place in Israel most of the time in Jerusalem for about 1,400 years. How old are you, America? In other words, they had a place where not only God would give them instruction but they had a place where if the need arose, they knew that they had access to the glory of God because the presence of God was in that place called the holiest of holies. They knew it because it was proven one time a year. But wait, did they really have it for 1,400 years? Ezekiel gives a very troubling picture of the Shekinah glory of the Lord lifting up and departing from the temple and departing prior to the temple being destroyed. In other words, they had a house, but God was not in the house anymore. They had a house but the speaker had left 
And they had 400 years of silence. Malachi, he closes out the Old Testament. Now, let me back up just a minute. You can go to the book of Ezekiel. And you can read for yourself why the glory departed. Why the speaker of the house left. You can read all about what they were worshiping. Oh, come on, you with me? You, they were, they professed that they were a Christian nation. They professed that God of the New Testament was a God that they worshiped. But in the reality was they were not serving him with the entire being that he had asked them to. They had been infiltrated. They had been diminished. Malachi closes out the Old Testament with these words. The Lord whom you see shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Luke 2 records Jesus making the journey to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover at the age of 12. On their way home after a day, his family discovers he's missing. They turned around. They go back to Jerusalem to find him. After three days, they find him in the temple. After three days, at 12 years old, they find him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard Jesus at 12 were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Has the speaker of the house arrived? Not yet, but soon. Luke records this momentous event in chapter 4. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. On the Sabbath day, he went to church. They gave him a Bible. They asked him to read. He opened the book to the book of Isaiah chapter number 61. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce or to release or to pardon or to forgive to the captives and to heal the brokenhearted and to recovering of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed, those who are downtrodden, those who are bruised, those who are crushed by tragedy and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord the day when salvation and the favor of God abound greatly. He said, this day, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He opened the book and the speaker began to speak. The speaker had come back and he had arrived in his house. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and in your presence. After Jesus preaches his first message to the crowd, they thrust him out of the city and were going to toss him over the cliff. You know why? Because he was saying, hey, the speaker, you heard my words. He said, the speaker has arrived back and I am reclaiming my house. Only this time, I've got a message, and that message is not one that is just a requirement by the law, but I'm going to set you free. I'm going to heal your brokenness. I'm going to bring sight to your blinded eyes. They said, hey, wait a minute. You can't preach like that. They said, they run him out of town. They were going to toss him over the cliff. Why? Because they had grown accustomed to silence. They had grown accustomed to a lack of the presence 
of the Shekinah glory of God in the midst of his house. They didn't like to be stirred up. They didn't like the idea of being told that all of a sudden there was a change coming. The Bible says Jesus passed through the crowd and went on his way. I would love to have been there and seen how he did that. They drag him out of the sea. They're ready to toss him over the cliff. The Bible says Jesus passed through the crowd. Don't know how he did it. Oh, wait a minute. John 2 tells us Jesus enters into the temple one day. And he runs out the animals. He kicks over the money change tables and yells at them. Now, I, I don't know. If he's, got a, if he's got a whip flailing through the air, I don't think that he's saying, please leave quietly and cautiously. I believe he was yelling at them. He runs them out and he yells at them and he says, my house is supposed to be an international house of prayer, a refuge for the souls of men. And you turned it into a house of merchandise because you have not allowed my presence to be in this place. You've not heard the New Testament message, if you will. He says, get out of here. Mark 2 picks up a story, verse 1, it says, and sometime later he was noised, it was noised abroad, Jesus is in the house. And IV says the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in the house, standing room only. And it says he preached the word to them. I don't have the recording of his message but I believe that it went along something that, uh, that he came to heal their broken hearts and to give them hope in a hopeless world. And the Bible says that they heard that he had come home and they gathered in that place. There was no room. There wasn't any room. And he preached to them. This is where the four men bring the paralyzed men to the house. They can't get in, so they climb up on the roof and they rip the shingles off the roof. Listen carefully. Jesus tells him, son, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't even mess with healing him. He says, son, your sins are forgiven you. The teachers of the law were in the house. And they shouted, blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus said, you tell me what is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, take up your bed and walk. Jesus told them, I want you to know that the Son of Man, or I want you to know that I have the authority, I have the power to forgive sins. The speaker of the house had come home and his ultimate, his ultimate message was, I forgive you of your sins and then we'll get around to healing you. I believe the gavel had been sounded two times that day. Meeting was in session. The speaker of the house had come back home, it says. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the Shekinah glory that met with Moses in the meeting place had become human form, and we beheld the Shekinah glory in a body. Hallelujah. That's why he could... He concealed it for a long time, but 
when they climbed up that mountain of transfiguration. He just had to let it out a little bit. The Bible says that he shone. He has the brightness of, of whatever, but he shone so bright. Why? Because that was the Shekinah glory of God, the same presence of God that spoke to Moses face to face behind that tent. He had taken on the form of a human being and he dwelled among us and the people beheld the glory of God in human form. That's why Matthew 8, 8. Speak the word only, my servant shall be healed. Speak the word only. Why? Because you got to understand the word became flesh. The speaker of the house was the ultimate speaker of truth. Whatever he spoke came into existence. He just said, he, he just simply said that the servant said, hey, just speak the word. That's all you got to do. Speak the word. Luke 17, Jesus enters into a village. Ten lepers stood afar off and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Bible says when he saw them, he said to them, just go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were all ten cleansed. I don't think we get it, do we? The speaker of the house. His word is so powerful. All he had to do was see the need. All he had to do was to get them to follow the laws that were in place at the time. And that required them going and confirming that their leprosy was gone at the house of God. Are you with me? Oh, come on. Yeah. And he said, just, just you know, he, he, it's like, whatever. Just go show yourself to the priest. Just go to the house of God. And the Bible says that they went on their way and all 10 of them were cleansed. He didn't touch them. He didn't ask them to come. He simply spoke the word. He says, just go show yourselves to the priest. That's all. Just follow, 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 follow. Follow the word. Follow the word. Follow the word, the signs, the miracles, the wonders. They follow the word. And they went, they were cleansed. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house. He owns... He owns everything. You, you do understand. And all he asked his people was to make him a place that was sacred. He says, you, you, need, you need to have a place that is sacred from the world. You need to have a place that you call my home. You need to have a place where prayer is the nature of the business. You need to have a place where people are not ashamed to lift their heart and their hands and their voices and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. You need to have that place. You need to have that house of God to come to. Parents need the house of God to come to. I know you can pray everywhere and anywhere. But there's something special about the house of God that has been designed and been in place for thousands of years. It is a place where God speaks to his people intimately. It is a place where the prayers of his people are, they, are, they, they come down. They, they form at the altar and he hears them and he ministers to the needs of those people. You need to have a house of 
in place. But Jesus said, hey, one of these days I want you to know that I am going away and I, in my Father's house are many mansions. He wants us on earth to build him a house that he can live in. But the real deal is he wants to build a house big enough for all of us to live in. That's the real deal. You understand he wants you to live with him under his roof forever. He wants you to live in his house He said, in my Father's house are many mansions, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. But in the meantime, I will not leave you comfortless. But when the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, comes, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Jesus is crucified for being God. That's right. He was crucified because he was acting out a part that the world could not receive. He was, he was crucified because he was proclaiming to be the great I am. He was crucified because he was saying that I am that Shekinah glory that resided within the house that you built for me in the tabernacle. I am he. And if you don't believe that I am he, he said you will die in your sins. He said, that's okay. He says, you destroy this temple three days. I will raise it up again. He says, in the meantime... You go to Jerusalem right after, but before he ascends, after being seen alive for 40 days after his resurrection. It says, go to Jerusalem and wait for it. You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Get this. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house. There came a sound from heaven's throne and the Bible says and it filled all of the house. So what's the big deal? I want you to know that the speaker was in the house that day. I want you to know that God came back to reclaim everything that the devil had taken away. He said, I'm coming again. He says, but in the meantime, I'm going to give you the gift and the power of the Holy Ghost. And he's going to teach you all things. And you are going to be filled with power. He filled the house. Was this the ultimate fulfillment of Micah's prophecy? Suddenly he will come to his temple. We're told that the Bible tells us that we are, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. As you stand. So choose this day who you will serve. Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I believe that it's time that as fathers especially, dads, come on, man. We got to get this thing upright. We got to get this thing in order. We got to be able to make the stand because these are trying days. But guess what? They're not going to get any easier. You better be prepared for the day that is coming. Try think things are going to get a whole lot better, you better get ready. You better get ready because the God of this world, that's, that is what the Bible calls Lucifer, the adversary of your soul. He is the God of this world, the prince and power of the air. He is trying his very best to infiltrate the church. 
is trying his very best to plant seeds into the minds of especially our young people that you can contone. It is okay to accept lifestyles that there are completely, completely, 199.9 thousand percent against the biblical teaching that the Speaker of the House gave to us. They are absolutely wrong. And I'm not going to get political, and trust me, I don't want to get thrown in jail. <laughs> but you know what? That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it so, they're trying to push me and you also, but they're trying to push the preacher into a corner and tell him that he can't preach certain things. No, the speaker's in the house. He's already spoken all of the words that he needs to. All I've got to do is repeat them. All I've got to do is give you what I feel that I have been impressed through the Holy Ghost to bring to you because he's already spoken every word, every word, every word, every word, every crossing of the T, every dotting of the I. It is secure. You don't have to look for it. You don't have to search for another God. You don't have to climb another mountain to try to find peace with God. You just need to open the book. You need to read about it because he is the speaker of his house. And he is the speaker of my house. If you are here this morning, we're simply going to call your attention to the front. We're going to ask you to come. And we're going to ask you, especially fathers, we're going to ask you to come. Or sons, if you don't have to be a father. But I, w I would like especially the fathers to come down. And the rest of the, the, the ladies and whomsoever, the young men, I want, you to, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for your father. If he's alive today, I want you to come down to the front. I want you to lift your heart to the Lord. And I want you to call out the name of your father in prayer and say, Oh God, be with my dad. Let him be strong. Let him be fervent in his spirit, God. If you're here this morning and you need a miracle, if you need a miracle, we believe that God is the God of miracles. We believe that he will minister to you today. We believe that he, the message is still, he has come to heal the brokenhearted. He's here to take away your oppression. He's here to take away your depression. He's here to give you peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's make room. Come on. Our guests this morning, come on down. Don't be, don't be bashful. We'll make room for you. We'll move chairs out of the way. Let's just spend a few minutes, if you will. If you need special prayer, you come right down here to the front of the pulpit here, and we will anoint you with oil, and we will pray with you and for you. Oh, that's it. Come on. There's, a, there's one setting of Scripture where the Bible says that the power of God was in the house to heal them, but they didn't acknowledge it. I want you to know He's here today.
your temple.